Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. He is the president of Delk Enterprises, uh, which and he's been a serial entrepreneur in many ways. He's coming out with a new book called Without a Plan, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Jeremy. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me. We'll get into the details of exactly how you've done. Just give us a brief view of how you got to where you are today. Just brief. Yeah, sure. A uh, small town kid uh, from Bardstown, Kentucky. Um, always just had this, you know, yearning desire to do more, see more, and be more. And um, started day trading at a young age and um, worked for a little firm called Fidelity Investments up in Boston, New York. Uh, pretty successful career and uh, did that for a few years and went out on my own about 20 years ago and started Delk Enterprises, which has led me through uh, a myriad of, of different industries and, and businesses that I've started, acquired, um, sold, funded, etc. So let's give some examples of some of the businesses you've started that have been successful. Um, well, there's a lot fewer of them that, that have been successful than, than, than I've started, so that's good. Um, <laughs> one that you uh, um, may have heard of, we, we took this company, um, started it, a complete startup, um, took it public um, on the Australian Stock Exchange, and then took it private. Um, it was originally called Medivet Biologics. Um, it was the world's first in-house animal stem cell uh, company. So we were able to do um, stem cells um, using fat or adipose-derived tissue um, and using the body's own repair system to treat you know, diseases like of aging effectively through osteoarthritis, degenerative joint disease, some other inflammatory um, autoimmune diseases. Um, so it's been a really exciting business. Again, I had several transactions. Typically, biotech has a, a lot of burn. Um, we actually uh, made that company profitable in its first year um, by getting a lot of sponsored research grants and um, raising capital to, to fund some of the clinical work that we did. Um, and then that company's still around today. I sold it uh, probably seven, eight years ago. It's Arden Animal House. Um, so that's one that we did. Uh, another one in healthcare was a company called TaylorMade Compounding. Uh, that one we grew from zero to almost $50 million a year in revenue in about three years, uh, from one employee to almost 200. We were on the Inc. 500, uh, fastest growing company. Uh, listen, 2019, we were 24th fastest growing company and number four in healthcare. Uh, sold that company to a private equity fund. Um, so those are two recent healthcare deals. Um, I'm also in the real estate space. We've got a, um, been some real estate development in Kentucky, down the British Virgin Islands. We've got a, uh, a rental luxury resort house down there that we, uh, we do in the building material business. Um, so I try to really be more that, you know, Peter Thiel zero to one type of approach. I really like the creative process, um, of, you know, having idea, vision and putting something together and actually making it a business with revenue and profit and employees and those things. Once it gets to a certain level or it becomes into that, the next phase, which is not hyper growth, um, I tend to lose interest, to be honest. And I usually exit it and let the adults run it at that point. One of yours is called tailor-made compounding. Explain what that's about and what, has that been a success? Yeah, that one, I mean, like a lot of mine, I mean, I think there's, you've heard that slogan, like there's riches in the niches, right? Um, so many entrepreneurs I see or try, other than trying to start, start a business, they just start with the wrong concepts, right? They talk about, well, let's look at the TAM, right? Or there's a total addressable market and there's this many billion people in the world and everyone needs, you know, a bottle of water. So if I get 0.001% of that market, um, I'm going to be just a billionaire. And and markets just don't work that way, right? I mean, uh, it's hard to tell your message um, and really get excitement uh, or or traction for whatever your good service or product is um, to a wide appeal, right? Look at politics or anything else, right? I mean, most things that have a lot of popularity 
tend to be pretty polarizing, right? People either love them or, or, or don't really kind of address to them. And that's because they're being authentic to their, their audience um, and their customer base. So this was a, um, a compounding pharmacy that was primarily in a very niche um, space of anti-aging, integrative, or personalized healthcare, um, which is, you know, small fraction percentage of the total healthcare budget and population. And truthfully, until the last probably five years, there hasn't been a ton of, you know, big, big institutional, you know, venture funds or private equity firms like Bain or Tama Bravo, and these big equity players that are playing in that sport, in that, in that world, which allowed, you know, that, industry to be disrupted a little bit. So um, we took a great team with some experience we've had in other businesses. And, and I think that was responsible for that, uh, that very, you know, rapid growth, um, which was a lot of fun, a lot of, uh, very hard to kind of hold it all together, but uh, it was all centered around focusing around a very niche industry um, and serving a small population, but serving them really well. And, um, doing things a little bit differently, right? You know, we, we found when we got into that space that it was just very fragmented and the operators that these physicians were used to dealing with um, were just very clunky and, and, and archaic. So we just invested a lot in technology. We had our own, um, our own uh, order management system that integrated with a lot of the physician's current workflow. So it allowed us to be able to um, make it easy. Like Amazon, look, look at how, what Bezos did. Yes, right now it's um, you go on there and you push a button and prime, and depending on your market, you can get something in four hours. It took a long time to get there, right? But what he focused on is the customer experience, um, reputation, and you know a customer focus, focus mentality, which is why he lost so much money for so long um, because he knew that the consumer would pay for this good service as long as it was a competitive price and it made it easy for the consumer. Um, so he had a long vision and it's, it's clearly paid off for him as his jockeying with Elon, you know, day in and day out for who's the richest man in the world. So what do you look for when you're evaluating a potential uh, either startup or acquisition? What are some of the things you look for that you think will make the business successful? Um, the only thing that matters, in my opinion, is the people, period. Um, I mean, look at MySpace, right? Um, and I'm not saying that the guys at MySpace were um, not good operators, but the people in, in the industry, and, and that, that is the, the secret sauce. So if it's a business I'm looking at acquiring, you know, that could be different, you know, because maybe I'm acquiring not leadership, but I'm acquiring, you know, a group of about a digital media company, right? So maybe it's a group of, you know, creatives or marketing analysts that are really, really sharp that don't have a good leader. That would be an acquisition where I go through, pay out whoever was on the cap table and basically remove them from the business as quickly as possible and then integrate the stars, which would be the, the team running the actual business, not management, um, but in their silos, like, you know, ad creative, analytics, et cetera and integrate them to my current team. That's one, one target. The other is if I'm looking to invest, right, which I do as well, um, on more of a passive approach. Um, and that is all about, you, you know, you hear the, the, the attitude, you're not really betting on the horse, you're betting on the jockey. And I think that's so, uh, so true. So if you can find an excited, passionate founder, that's really what I, uh, what I focus on. So what is the right mindset to be a successful entrepreneur if you want to start? Because people kind of go through school and are taught to be employees, not to be entrepreneurs. What is it that makes the difference to making an entrepreneurial mindset successful? Um, I think it's just a little bit of naivete followed by a whole lot of confidence, right? Um, and then the glue is the passion. Right. That that's that, in my opinion, is that little secret sauce that if you have enough passion and confidence, um, that will overcome all the naysayers that will overcome everyone that told you it's not going to work. And that's going to overcome the time you get smacked in the face 
and you're like, wow, why am I doing this? Because it's hard, but you, you never know. Um, and from experience, I can't tell you how many successes I've had that I thought we were on the brink of collapse. So you, you're just one yes away or you're just one deal away. You're just one thing away. And the, the key is to keep moving forward, period. You've not failed until you stop, right? I may have, I, 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 the title of my book, you, you mentioned, without a plan, um, failing, uh, it's, a, it's a memoir of failing my way to success. Um, that's so true. I fail these micro failures or these, you know, like I want to get this goal, have I hit it or not? And then, then you make a decision. But you're not a failure unless you just stop living your dream or, or, or even worse, which I see so much, so, so, so often is never actually starting. Right. And that's just the death of so many good ideas. And, uh, and yeah. Is, is the current environment we're in now where we have rising interest rates, high energy prices, possibly recession here already or coming a good or a bad time to start an entrepreneurial business? Um, that's a depends. Um, I think for me, I love this market, right? I think in uncertainty and lack of consumer confidence and all of those um, provide huge, huge opportunities um, for capitalization because there's going to be with this inflation, there's going to be real estate that's going to be um, on sale here in the next 12, 18 months. There's, there's going to be people that could grow their businesses, but are scared and want to take money off the table and cash out. So that gives a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities for someone that has the confidence and has done it a few times and believes that they can get through it again. Contrarily, you know, if for that new entrepreneur, you are all, that's the first kind, the first time going, it's, it can be even harder. Um, and I think, the way to combat that. So what do I mean when I say that it can be even harder because there's a lot of fears because uh, you're going into an unknown as you, I totally agree with you in school, you're taught to be an employee. Uh, I mean, yeah, school, I can go on a whole podcast with you on, uh, of my feelings and they're not, they're not positive on it unless you're going to school for a trade doctor, mm -hmm. lawyer, something like this, but you already are going outside your mold. Um, and, and going out into the unknown, which is this uncertainty. You combine that with already the inherent risk of business, then your wife or husband and children, and you have all the other pieces. You're, maybe you're an adjustable rate mortgage, and your, your mortgage rate goes up, and your payments go up. All of these things are potentially items that could break the camel's back in your head and really ruin that mindset that you, you talk about. So I think it depends um, – on the entrepreneur and where they are in their journey. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's written a new book called Without a Plan, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. You can find out more about him at his website, delkenterprises.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. 
That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. He is a serial entrepreneur based in Kentucky. He's come out with a new book called Without a Plan, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. Welcome back to the show, Jeremy. Thank you. Uh, give us an example of how you failed to success. Give, give us a, you've told us some of the successes. What was an example of a business that failed, and what did you learn from that which allowed you to be successful later? Well, I think, let me, um, let me change the, the question a, a bit. So I, when I say failure, you know, and, and it goes back to in that first segment we we're talking about, I don't know that failure has to be absolute. So um, one of the businesses um, in the early days after I left uh, Wall Street was in this building material space. And we started a retail um, window and door company. Um, so we were buying windows from a distributor, from a Canadian manufacturer, um, with a business partner who was also ex-Wall Street. His family had been in the building material business. Neither of us knew anything about the, the building material business. We got a crash course from, from uh, uh, my buddy's father in his, in, his, uh, in his basement. Anyway, we made a go of it, and we were moderately re- successful retail window salesman had a place in, uh, again, Long Island, New York, and maybe did a million dollars our first year. Um, a lot less profit and in, in income than either of us had made in, in prior years on Wall Street. So that could be looked at as a failure um, because, hey, what, we, we took a step down, we downshifted, I was making a lot more money, now I'm now I'm not making so much money. And I think that is part of this, right? This is part of this idea of what defining failure and success is because it's not about the jet and the yacht and all those things. Those things are nice and have a lot of utility, but that's not what it should be about. And it's not just about the money. It's, it's what are you doing? Are you feeling fulfilled? Are you feeling impactful? And are you learning? At least that's, that's, that's important for me. So we took that failure and looked, we took that, that, step in our journey. I'm like, hey, this is not where we want to go. Why were we capping out at a million dollars? Well, we were capping out a million dollars a year in revenue because we, we didn't really understand the market at all. We were just trying to go through and be slick sales guys. And these are million-dollar houses, multi-million-dollar houses. And we would talk to someone and say, hey, these are all, all of our ideas. A lot of them, mind you, were very good. And the owners liked them. But we found out something we didn't know, right? That there's these things called architects who have been involved in the process about six months before we're getting in the process. And we're now unraveling all the things that they're doing, which is making their life difficult. So it's always been to knowing your customer and knowing what it is. So we're like, wait a second, we're, we're working backwards here. We're getting these jobs at the very end and, and making it very hard for us to sell these guys are not us, which is easy to do. We were able to sell ourselves very, very well, and our and our products were great. So those two things happened happened to be great and are and are and are positive. But it's more than that. It's where you are in the buying process that's important, and understanding you know all the players and the the decision makers. So we pivoted really quickly in that business um, and stopped thinking of ourselves as retail. We kept our retail location, but we focused all of our time on whining, dining, courting architects to get them to specify our product. So we were now lengthening the sales cycle, right? Because we were looking for immediate cash flow. Now our sales cycle was a year out, but we had such a tight relationship and we ended up making our, we ended up buying out the distributor. Then we became our own manufacturer and we're manufacturing windows and doors in Germany and Italy under our own brand, taking architects there and showing them we couldn't lose a sale. We were more expensive our lead times were three times as long 
and, and prices in comparison are almost double. So as a, it could be $100,000 from Marvin Windows, we were going to sell you $200,000 European Windows. We rarely lost. And that's so because you learned to pivot. Under, Basically, you learned to pivot. From, from well, we what, what's to, otherwise, we were going to be the, the, the most you know, moderately successful window guys in the history, right? So, and that wasn't enough for us. But that was a failure that we turned around that we just didn't get, oh, well, this is not a bad business or I don't want to be in the window business. That industry sucks. There's an opportunity. And in the, and whatever industry you're in, macro or micro, there's an opportunity to be wildly successful. In it. And the, the key is understanding who your customer is and focusing on them and obsessing with them go through. Turns out there were only 50 architects in the tri-state area that were really going to have clientele that could afford our product. Why waste any effort on the other 5,000? They're not going to do anything anyway. And that's where people kind of go through. That's why you see these early entrepreneurs out of business school and they give you this total addressable market and, oh, if we just get 1%, like it's in the trash immediately because you cannot look at that. You have to understand you know, what your addressable market is because it's not the addressable market. Yeah. Now, your book is called Without a Plan. So what are some of the estimates uh, and, and steps you should take to create a plan if you're starting something new that you haven't done before? How do you know what to expect? How do you know what to plan for? No, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's, a great, um, it's a great question, right? Because um, the lessons that – and I share a lot of business and, I, and my personal because I think anyone that just writes a business book and doesn't tell the personal side that's going on as well, you're only looking half the story me being Inc. 500 and all these different awards and accolades and public director, all that's BS, right? Of course, it's I'm things I'm proud of, but that's not what actually got me there. It's all the things that you don't see, right? All the pain and fear and all those pieces on there. But the stories I tell in the business, uh, or in the book rather, are all real stories of me just getting started. And I got started without a plan. So the story I just told you, we had no plan to be a European importer manufacturer of windows, period. Had we made a detailed plan to be window retailers, which we didn't either, we just got into the business and tried, it would have been the wrong plan. So the book is not about living life through lollipops and gumdrops, but it's also not about just having it all figured out. Because no matter what, you will never have it all figured out. Two years ago, did anyone have in their business plan um, a pandemic? Don't think so, right? You, you're never going to have it all f- figured out. So why have this, you know, paralysis, analysis by paralysis and never getting started as opposed to just go through and microcosm? Like, hey, I want to start my own business. All right. Can you do it full time? That's the first thing you should answer. Oh, I've got a full time job. I did it because I'm maybe I've got my own issues, right? I left a very high paying job and just, just went for it. I was young enough. I didn't have a family. I was 21 years old, 22 years old. I didn't have, if the worst case, I was going to go home to my mom's couch. So you need to see where you are in your life. Can you go all in or not? If you can't, that's okay. Make some promises or some, some, some deals with yourself. Hey, I want to get a prototype and I'm going to use this extra savings. I'm not going to do vacation. I'm going to put $5,000 here or $500 here, or I want to do a test market. Everyone's on social media today that, I, that, I'm, that I'm aware of, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a test market right there. You don't have to pay some agency in New York to do this. Go out there. Here, here's my idea, guys. If I did this, would you be interested? Get those small steps going and just create action. That's the, it's, it's creating action and doing it. And, and hopefully the lesson that you'll learn is that you need to have an idea of where you're going, but you do not have to have it figured out. And I would really argue with anyone that says having it all mapped out is a good idea. I, I will vehemently disagree with that. And how about financing? If you don't have money yourself, uh, you have to give up a lot of equity uh, to a partner or a venture capital firm. I mean, how do you get to hold on to something where you've got the idea and you're the one putting the sweat equity to make it work? Yeah, I take the risk. And, and that's why I think you know, the more you can do small scale for proof of concept, the, the better, right? So many of these kids also are taught in business school. I mean, I looked at a deck that I passed on, and I think they're going to raise the money. It's, and I won't be super specific, but it's a tech app thing that I, I will guarantee you. I'll come back on your show in a year, and if they're not out of business, I'll, I'll give the game away. But they're trying to raise $2 million on a 
$10 million, $2 million at a $10 million um, post-money valuation, two young kids, um, smart, smart young kids. But, you know, these unicorn hunting days in my world are, are over. And I was early in 23andMe. I was early in Uber. But these guys are, are, are different in that, that regard. But I think these things like, you know, the Shark Tank and some of these shows have glamorized entrepreneurism. And number one, it's hard to do to raise that much money pre-revenue with just a, a concept and a wireframed app. But B, you know, you most times don't need that much, right? So even myself, which I have my own fund and I could overfund any business that I have, I purposely with management and with teams cash starve all of my businesses because cash can make you really sloppy, right? Oh, well, let's just throw another consultant at it, or let's just have a consultant tell us the consultant to run this consultant. I mean, you cash can get really, really, really messy and you just have a dumpster fire. So I really try to cash starve my businesses and go through. So what can you do? What's your good product or service that you're offering that you can go out and how can you get to revenue? What will it take? Right. And if it's a tech app thing, you're probably not going to get tech, but maybe you get, you know, a website built and you get users to sign in for a, a beta version of wireframe, or you, you can get some sort of proof of concept. That's in my opinion, the, the biggest shark to jump, right? Once you get that test the market, get some feedback and then, uh, and then go from there. But it's not always about raising capital. Um, and you really should try not to raise capital for as long as you can, because to your point, you give up so much, um, depending on how early you are. Conversely, if you get there and you're at, if it's a, if it's a SaaS company, you're at 50,000, a hundred thousand dollars a month of, uh, MRR, which monthly recurring revenue or something like that, there is an endless supply of capital, endless. They're, they're looking for that level. Yes. Once it's been proven, there's plenty of money to be yeah. had. Very good. All right. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. He is an entrepreneur, uh, investor, a speaker. He's uh, got a new book out called Without a Plan, a memory, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. You can find out more at his website, jeremydelk.com, or his company's website is delkenterprises.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. He is a serial entrepreneur and author of a new book called Without a Plan, a Memoir of Unbound Action 
and Failing My Way to Success. You can find out more about him at his website, jeremydelk.com, and his company's website is delkenterprises.com. Welcome back to the show, Jeremy. Thanks, Jordan. One of the key things you said to make an entrepreneur successful is to be a disruptor. How do you find something that's going to disrupt that the people already doing it the old way are just going to come and crush you? Yeah, great question. And it's something that um, I think is solely responsible for my success. Um, and it's important caveat is that it doesn't always work, right? So it's not like if you just did it, not every industry or niche can be disrupted, right? I mean, there are some things that uh, are, you know, or not ready for disruption. But the the key way that I've, you know, I think stumbled into it, but I, I've, and I've said this early in a couple of other sessions that we have at Delk and, you know, all the businesses that we, we uh, invest in or, or run have a infatuation with a customer-focused, customer-first mentality and what their experience is going to be. So I've proven this, and you'll, again, read about multiple industries within the book, but I've proven this that no matter what industry or what vertical, um, people are people are people, and that's who you're doing business with. I don't care what it's B2B, B2C, et cetera. That's, that's who you're commercing with. So I think going into and studying an industry that before you get into it has a lot of, it's very safe. And then you could just be another one of the team and trying to fight for your market share and hope you get a little bit lucky because your branding looks better. You've got a great sales team. That's a very safe approach. But the way I've done it uniquely is blind action and just getting started not caring or worrying about how it's been done because oftentimes the way it's been done may not always be the right way, right? You see so many of these industries that have already started been disrupting cabs and look at Uber and ride sharing now, right? I mean, so many, this is just how it is and that's accepted um, is a poor mentality, right? I, I was watching an old interview that Bill Gates was giving on Letterman and he was talking about the personal computer and the internet and like, well, why would I need the internet? Right? Well, what if you wanted to know about, you know, uh, cigars, you know, in Europe? Well, I get cigar aficionado. So I, I get that every month. I can do that. I mean, literally having a genuine combative conversation about, well, why would I ever need this thing? And you, you already have, it. Oh, well, I want to get my news. Well, I get a newspaper, right? And look now right, at, at, the, at the disruption that's been there. So you yeah. have to have, and that goes back to the early thing, what creates this entrepreneur. It's the, this amount of passion and confidence that your idea is necessary. I think that's how you need to talk to yourself. Don't, you know, if people are, are scared of selling. You need to be so passionate about your idea that, hey, it's, if I don't have my customer buy this good product or service, I failed them and their lives are not going to be as good. Like that's the mindset you need to be putting yourself into that. If I do not convince them to download this app called Uber, that they will never have to worry about hailing a cab at night on a rainy day. Or if, if I don't do this, their lives are just going to be worse off than if they had it. That is the, the, the insatiate passion that you have to have to focus on then you're like, now it's my duty to serve this customer. It's now my job to understand what's in the way. Because it's not the customer. The customer doesn't know. I need to help let the customer see why their lives are going to be so much better if they do that. And that is how you build a sales campaign, a marketing campaign, story. That, that's how you build that. But it starts with that insatiable component of like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm that passionate about it that you need this. And it's so much better than every competitor because it's just a, a better widget, budget, better popsicle stuff, whatever it is. That's the, the, the level of conviction you need to have um, and not focus on the others. Because if you do, and you can't cheat either, right? Jordan, there's so many people that go through and like, all right, well, I just look, but I'm still going to be a disruptor. You'll never do it. Because in your head, you're always going to wonder, well, I'm going to do these three things, but it looks like we can never do that. You're not going to really have that brainchild of an idea to go through. Look at Musk, right? 
rockets, right? You know, I mean, he he gave the analogy before. Do you know how much it would cost to take a cruise with your family if you left out of Miami, where I just came from, took the cruise down in the Bahamas, came off, let the passengers out, and then sunk the ship? You would never have a cruise industry, right? He took that same logic. Well, let's, we obviously reuse the ship, uh, the the ships, so there's you know, some amortization on there to, and some time to, to get them uh, profitable. He applied that simple logic, solved a very hard problem, mind you, that a lot of people said couldn't be done. And now he's, I'm pretty sure the largest NASA is contracting with him. He's, he's putting all the satellites in the sky and will make space travel, you know, probably affordable for everyone. So that's the idea. Like- he, just, he just said, listen, he, 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 he didn't hear he probably listened. He's a very smart guy. Probably listened, but he didn't let it hear or heard it, but he didn't listen to it. Like, so he heard the noise and the, the naysayers, but I think he used that as a driving force, like, okay, well, let me show you. Right? It sounds very much like Steve Jobs' kind of attitude is, I'm going to build it, and they don't even know they need an iPhone or an iPad, but I'm going to build it, and then they'll come to it because I know what they want more than what they know what they want. They don't even know what they want. Right. Right. But that takes a certain leap. That's not a lot of people that can do something like that. Maybe there is a lot of people. A huge leap. And that's why it's a, it's a huge leap. And it's hard to do, but that's why you have, I mean, that's why you, you know, we're just mentioning, I mean, we just mentioned Gates, Jobs, and, and Musk. I mean, probably we'll, we'll go down as the three of the most creative, innovating, you know, entrepreneur geniuses in the world. I mean, they, they, they compare to nearly no one other than themselves. So yeah. it takes a massive leap, which is why you only have a handful of those guys. But you could still make massive impact and help a ton of people. You know, you, you help a thousand people, ten thousand people, whatever it is your again your good part or service is. But think of it that way, right? Um, and that's the other thing. I was, uh, you know, we're at different conferences and I speak a lot, whatever. And Gary Vaynerchuk was was there. And I think the idea is so wrong that everyone thinks they have to compare themselves. The kids that I just turned down on this investment opportunity. We think we have a unicorn. Man, like you're 20 years old. You don't fucking know a unicorn. Like you're, you're, you think you have a unicorn. Having a billion-dollar company is rare air. You, you'll read the book where I turned down an opportunity because I wanted it, and I turned down $600 million. Retrospectively, probably should have took the money. But I turned it down because even me telling you that that's not what the goal should be shouldn't be the goal. right? For me, if I've already think, think God, and I've been very blessed and very fortunate to be pretty successful – um, for me, my family was taken care of. I didn't need that billion dollars, but it was a rare error, and I, and I took a shot. And if given the opportunity, I probably would take the shot again. But that doesn't need to define success. You could have a business that gives you free time to volunteer at your church or to volunteer in your community, coach your little leagues, uh, your, your, your kids' little league um, soccer or football or your daughter's dance recital. I mean, that and making a, a, a nice income while serving people and making an impact, that is success or what should success be. And, and that's what you should, you, you should kind of strive for. Then, yeah, there's varying levels of it. You get more and you're able to have more impact and do more things. But, you know, that, that's something you, you should really look at. It. Understand what your why is as you, all these entrepreneurs that are listening. Why are you doing this? And hopefully it's not for this fake influencer who's posting private planes on the internet and all this stupid stuff, right? Hopefully that's not why you're doing it. Hopefully it's because you want freedom, right? You want access to experiences. You want to help, you know, give your kids a little bit of a better life than you, you did, leave a legacy, help people be remembered. I mean, that's really what success, in my opinion, should be centered around. You talk in the book about how to scale an existing business and make it much bigger. Uh, we've talked mostly about the startup phase, but what are some of the keys to scaling up an existing business that's gotten off to a good start? Yeah, I mean, there's only one speed. You know, it's just faster, right? If there is something, especially, and it's critical, right, especially early days in um, in a new a new startup, if there is something that could be done, um, do it today, right? If there's an idea, do it. Just speed and action over everything else. You know, execution is important, but if you if you have enough action and you're going fast enough, you could 
you can recalibrate along the way, right? You can have those bumps in the road. It's how you pivot, right? It's how you recover and how you emotionally handle those those deals um, that uh, that determine it. But just go faster, right? And it's hard, right? And then, but then that's the, that's the fun part, and that's where I where I like, right? So, my the phases of, of a business for me are laying in bed at night having this crazy idea send an email or text to my team. Hey, let's do a logo for this. Come up here. This is what the offering is. It's that creative process. That's probably the the biggest drug that I love. Um, Number one. And then once we do that phase, then it's like, okay, great. Here's my new baby. Let's see if it's ugly or not, because sometimes it's ugly. Right. And I always set set up very early. Like, Hey, this is either um, this is what success is going to be for this business or this startup or this opportunity. I'm going to put $5,000, $10,000, million, whatever that is. I'm going to put this at it, this much time, this much resources. And if at this juncture, at a future date and time, one month, three months, six months, whatever that time is, if it's not doing this amount of revenue or we haven't hit this milestone, um, it's dead. You throw it, in the, throw it in the bin, and then you revisit it in a year. That's what you have to do. Otherwise, you go too far into them, and you become attached. And sometimes, again, best product in the world, best service, it – the market could not be ready. It's there's a whole host of them. So sometimes your baby is just ugly. So that's the first piece. If, and when you determine that your baby's not ugly or if it's even really cute and people really love it, then that's the next phase of like, all right, how do I grow and scale as fast as I can? And when you do that, you break a ton of stuff. You're, you're, you're making your customers upset because like your service is going down because you can't hire enough staff to get the orders out quickly and all these things. So now you have a different problem of like, hey, um, is anyone going to buy my product? You get lightning in a bottle and someone really likes it. Now you have the other side of it. Like, how do I keep my customers happy? How do I keep my early customers really happy? Because those are your raving fans that got you here. And then you have all that chaos. That's the second part of the process that's very addicting and passionate for me is holding it together and, and problem solving and being the guy that someone calls it and I'm like, dude, what's going to happen? We just got our UPS account shut down because of a snowstorm in North Dakota. We can't ship to the West Coast. I mean, imagine that when we were back in the stem cell business, when these cells had limited viability. I mean, rerouting, you know, biological samples, you know, across the country and dealing with, you know, snowstorms and blizzards that you had no control over. I okay. like that type of pro- process and those problems. After you hit a certain level, um, while you're doing that, you develop a lot of good processes. And, you know, a, a big mistake I think a lot of entrepreneurs make is that, well, I know how to do it all, so I'll just do it myself. That's the depth of the business. You've got to know what you're not good at. I'm an idea guy, not a detail guy. I can solve a lot of problems, and I've seen a lot of details, so I can have some input, but I'm not going to be the one that actually does all those details. I'm much more big picture, and let's just solve from up here. Learn to delegate. So, yeah, um, yeah we, so, so you've got to be the break. Sure, sure. Yeah, we have to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. He's a serial entrepreneur, author of a new book called Without a Plan, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. You can find out more at his website, jeremydelk.com, or his company's website, delkenterprises.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeremy Delk. Uh, he is an entrepreneur, a small business person, uh, author of a new book called Without a Plan, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. You can find out more at his website, jeremydelk.com, or his company's website, delkenterprises.com. Welcome back to the show, Jeremy. Thank you. So you're very much part of the kind of small business community. What do you think the government could do to make it easier for small businesses to succeed in this environment? Um, you know, it's a good question. I don't think it's stimulus money or um, I don't think it's stimulus money. And I don't think it's, you know, these programs. I think that they could do a a better job of, of, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the government could actually do to be honest with you. <laughs> like I, I, because it's ran by government. Right. So I, I that's, that's, it's, it's like a, it's a circular, circular conversation. I think what would be good for the entrepreneur com- community would be, um, and it's already out there, thankfully, right. That, you know, while there are these fake influencers and all these people out there, um, the internet is your friend, right? I mean, there is not a, there's nothing that you cannot learn for free online, period. And the, the access to this information is far different than probably you and I had when we were, you know, um, 20 years old, right? So going to the library and, you know, looking at Dewey Decimal Systems and trying to figure out, you know, where these old archive, you know, access information is just so, so much, you know, more that I think, you know, a great tool would be a different type of, learning curriculum where it's, you know, you know, subsidized, you know, internships, because, you know, I know every entrepreneur says, Hey, call up your mentor, call up someone that you, 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 you really are passionate about and say, you'll work for them for three months for free. That I get that, but that's, everyone said that. And there's only so many entrepreneurs you're going to want to learn from. And we all get those calls all the time. I don't need 20 kids following me around. It's, it's not really, realistic. Number one, number two, um, it's, I don't know how functional that would be for some people, right? Cause especially now where you are, people need to earn some income, right? So, so maybe it's a curriculum where if you go to school to be, um, like a postdoc, for instance, you actually get paid. So as a place of paying tuition, you get paid a very paltry sum, but the work that you're doing, you are getting some subsidies with housing and what have you, you know, I think that could be interesting. Um, that's already happening to a degree with these, you know, incubators, um, that are out there, venture studios. Um, and my friend Lexington is actually opening a venture studio now. So these are places where they've got shared services, shared space, where you can bring your company, your idea, give up a little bit of equity, but guaranteed some investment office and you get the shared services of information. Plus you're networking with other entrepreneurs. I think having that, um, yeah, I, I think that's the, the the thing that entrepreneurs should really you know, look look towards because um, it's a great opportunity to learn. I don't think that government is going to be able to effectively do that. And how about the, the education? You don't sound like you're a big fan of what the colleges are doing these days. What could colleges do to prepare people for being entrepreneurs? Um, again, I think it's just I don't know that, and and this is maybe I'm just now I'm actually going against what. Saying that things can be everything can be disrupted, but I don't know that it can be right. And again, school for me was great. I went to college and got a four year degree. What I learned at university was not necessarily, and I went to business school, it was not necessarily you know the skills that I use today. The skills that I learned at university were people skills and having to be able to have a conversation with the Fortune 500 CEO or someone that's working in the mailroom. It's that that was a skill that I really kind of ta- you know captured and took away that I could speak to anyone and really relate to anyone. That and it's a great diversity, especially coming from a small town in Kentucky where there wasn't a lot of diversity. So that's what I took away from from school. Um, again, you need to go to school if you're a trade, right? Doctor, lawyer, engineer, architect, all those things. But business school, unless you're getting into one of the Ivies, they're not teaching you anything at at UPenn at Wharton that they can't, they wouldn't teach you at Lexington, you know, community college. They're not, you're not going to ask a question in class at Lexington community college and say, Hey, I'm sorry, kid, we can't answer that question. You got to go to UPenn to get that. It doesn't happen. 
The yeah. thing you get those IVs versus anywhere else is the network and the relationships, and that's that unfair advantage. Goldman and these guys, that, they only hire from a certain, you know, Harvard. They, they only Harvard those, those peers. So unless you're going to business school at one of the top schools, I don't know. And then you want to go down a PE route or, you know, VE world. That's the, the process in which um, those folks are groomed. It's very hard to get into it otherwise. But to be an entrepreneur, I don't think you need to go to school. And I don't think there's anything you could learn for a very overpriced education that you couldn't learn with a mentor, some online courses, and Google. In, in the roughly two minutes we have left, just kind of summarize the opportunity for people to become an entrepreneur in this country when they may think it's really difficult or almost impossible. Who's they? Well, the people you're listening today and the people reading your book and the, the audience out there. Oh, they, oh, they, 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 they've been entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, it's them. I think that's it. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. There is no one getting in your way other than yourself. There is no one out there. We live in one of the greatest countries in the world, if not the greatest country in the world. There is an infinite amount of opportunity. There's an infinite amount of money. And despite po politicians, most people are good, right? So if you are a good person, want to make a, you know, a, a difference and want to make an impact with your business, you are the only thing stopping you. That's it. And you've got to overcome. You've got to change your mindset. You've got to get out of your own way, you know, break that fear and just get started. And it, and it doesn't have to be quitting your job and going all in and taking a second mortgage or a house. Make some small steps. Every small step forward will give you more and more confidence to get there. All the things I've talked about, I've been doing this for 22 years, guys, right? The 22-year-old version of me, not on this phone, had no clue. But yes. I had a vision and I had a passion and I just got started. Very good. Well, thanks so much. Our guest this hour has been Jeremy Delk. He's a serial entrepreneur, author of a new book called Without a Plan, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. You can find out more at his website, jeremydelk.com, or his company's website, delkenterprises.com. We've learned a lot. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Jeremy. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.